Welcome to the Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association, helping sales-focused professionals discover new tools, trends, and strategies. Please welcome your host, Bill Bannum. In the February 2018 episode of the Sales Pro Chat Show, I talk with sales expert, speaker, and author Jamie Shanks about how to build relationships with and get buy-in from the C-suite. Selling to the C-suite can be the smartest way to gain consensus and momentum for the sale. Top-level execs know this. Inevitably, this can mean that they are tougher to reach and harder to convince. In a recent article on the popular Sales for Life blog, Jamie offered three strategies to get top-level leadership on board. In the article, Jamie suggests the toughest job in sales today is wiping away the preconceptions of executives based on their experience of past salespeople. The way to do that is to launch initiatives on three fronts. These are context, content, and contact. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com. And remember to subscribe to the CPSA podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and more. Jamie Shanks, welcome to the Sales Pro Chat Show. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Now, Jamie, to begin, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the work done at Sales for Life. My name's Jamie Shanks. I'm the CEO of Sales for Life. And Sales for Life is the world's largest social selling and digital selling training and advisory service. So we help companies from enterprise all the way to small to medium businesses in business to business, be able to help their sellers move from a state of analog selling, so phone and email, to a state of digital, leveraging tools like LinkedIn and Twitter and so forth to drive business and new pipeline. Okay, now let's really get into this discussion about winning over the C-suite by considering the first of the three C's there, Jamie, and that's context. Can you can you paint a picture of the information that C-suite execs really care about, unlike, say, buyers, and, and how to ensure that C-level pros get that information that they're looking for? A C-level executive, now I'm a C-level executive of a company of 15 employees, but you know, we're working with teams and companies that have tens of thousands. And so when I meet these C-level executives, they are always thinking about the business outcomes. And so an example of a business outcome, let's say it on the sales perspective, is the percentage of sales quota attainment that will be achieved by the sellers to ultimately hit their, their revenue goal for the year, as an example. And so everything that you need to talk to them about needs to align to the ultimate business objective they're trying to hit. And I actually use this analogy all the time. You're trying to sail a boat from New York Harbor to Liverpool, as an example. And the way that a sea level is thinking is, when are you going to arrive? How long is it going to take? And uh, you know, you know, what cargo are you bringing on the way, right? Like it's, what is the end result we're trying to get to? And what I find sellers unfortunately do is they concentrate too much on talking about 
the ropes that they're going to use, the sales they're going to use, and the, the way that they're going to navigate. A C-level executive cares about business outcomes. Okay. Now I want to delve into that a wee bit more because in your post, you, you suggest that context is about what comes after the solution is in place. Uh, so tell me more about what you meant by this. As a business owner and a C-level executive, what I'm looking for you to paint a picture for me is what is post-success going to look like? What are the implement implementation challenges, pitfalls? What are best practices? What does best in class look like? And also, where do my competitors sit along this journey, whatever we're about to do? It's really important that you help sales leaders understand that becoming a customer is not the end goal. Like forming this relationship is not the end goal. The end goal is a successful business outcome for me, the customer. And you need to help me understand where in the yellow brick road, so to speak, are going to be the danger zones, the, the talking trees and the flying monkeys. I need to know about this in advance so I can best prepare my team for this. Now let's consider the second component of winning over the C-suite then, Jamie. After fighting so hard to get in front of those execs, how can salespeople ensure that they don't waste their time? What, what goes into creating valuable and relevant content for those at the C-level? And how can sales dig deeper into what matters to the people in the room? Yeah, I think the first place is assume... Um, Assume a, a strong, basic level of understanding from the C-level executive. I'll, give, I'll, I'll, I'll paint a real picture. I've seen sellers as an example. Say you're selling software as an example, and you're trying to help companies understand the migration from on-premise to cloud-based solutions. To have a conversation with a C-level executive, whether it's a chief information officer, chief technology officer, chief operating officer, and you start really talking about why cloud computing, at the end of the day, these people have spent their entire lives understanding IT best practices. And so you'll come off condescending and silly because at the end of the day, these people are typically subject matter experts within their business. What you really need to help them understand is how this is a best practice and, a, and ultimately moving towards best in class and how it completely aligns to helping them achieve the very business outcomes they're trying to get to. So as a seller, what I'm trying to capture from a C-level executive up front in a conversation, where are you trying to sail your boat to in 2018 as an example? What are the final goals and milestones you're trying to hit along your journey? Everything that I talk about uh, after that, has to directly align to one of those three value creators. And the three value creators are, number one, I can either make you more money, I can, number two, save you money, or number three, I can mitigate your risk of failure, of collapse, of being fired. Those are what really motivates a C-level executive. And that's ultimately what they're being driven to do. You run a division, you have what's known as P&Ls, profit and losses, for your division. I'm only thinking about how I make more money, save more money, uh, because those are aligned to my bonuses, my stock options, all those things, or mitigate my risk of, um, of looking silly within the organization, of being passed by competitors. 
everything has to talk about one of those three value creators. So there are different schools of thought on on this next sort of question, Jamie. Um, Some people would say that uh, a good approach is to go into a room with a a C-level exec and to ask them lots of questions to try and understand their business and their business needs a bit more. But I, I get a feeling from what you just alluded to there that you're probably on the other camp, which is you should already know what their goals are going into that meeting. And it's it's all about how you can deliver for them. Would, would, would you agree with that? I, I think that there is a healthy blend between the two and the type of due diligence and research I as a seller need to do before I'm in that boardroom having the conversation. Number one, of course, I'm reviewing their social presence because are they leaving digital fingerprints out out in the world for me to capture as to what are their goals and objectives, Uh, whether it's on their LinkedIn or Twitter profiles, whether it's been articles that have been quoted in the news. So I'll use Google Alerts. I'll use LinkedIn to capture that basic information. And as well, it's important that you read uh, the Form 10K, which is a public public kind of uh, quarterly and annual reports that the C-level executives, specifically the CEO, produces for publicly traded entities. As an example, if I'm selling into the manufacturing space or I'm selling into aerospace, as an example, well, I'm looking for public examples of the type of company I'm about to serve. And I'm actually taking a moment to read the Form 10K. The Form 10K is a business plan, essentially that the CEO needs to deliver to shareholders, every whether it's quarterly or annually, to help them understand what are their strengths, their weaknesses, their opportunities, their threats, what is their competitive landscape. It's exactly like reading a business plan. And they have to deliver this publicly. So what you can do is by reviewing some of this information in advance, you can discern what are the common uh, business outcomes pitfalls, challenges, goals, roadblocks, all these things that are happening within their particular industry. And to make it a valuable conversation, this is where the back and forth happens. I may probe somebody and understand what their business objectives are, or business outcomes are. But then I may relay information that I have learned about their industry to say, Did you, you know, here's where this completely aligns to a direct competitor or a fellow you know, industry benchmark. Or interesting that this is your particular goal because what we're seeing from other companies is that they're trying to achieve X, Y, and Z. Let me learn a little bit further about your unique goal. And I actually believe that this is where the value of a seasoned sales professional comes in because it's this give and take between the customer and the seller. Now let's consider the third element, and that's contact. Executives buy from people, not from companies. And as you put it, the days of sales handing off projects after the sale is over. How important then is it to execs that they know that the salesperson they are dealing with in that buying process will be one of the people at least that they will continue to deal with throughout the implementation? Well, there's, and this is, this is kind of where the digital seller evolved from. It was a study done by Forrester and Corporate Visions that found that 74% of deals are awarded to a person, not, not to a company, but awarded to the sales professional that's first to provide value and insight along a deal. And all that really means is when you teach somebody something new, you basically plant the seeds of inception in their head. It's exactly like the movie Inception. And that those seeds start to germinate, 
And whether the, the customer needs you today or three months from now or a year from now, they always kind of revert back to where did I come originate that idea? And then they can kind of play back the people that, that help plant that seed. And then ultimately, that is, is a massive competitive advantage for you. I, I've often said that if I were in an RFP, a request for proposal situation, where I could present first, second, or third, I always want to be first to present because I'm the one laying the road, the road for what's success look like, what are pitfalls, what are challenges. What you as a seller are trying to do is it be a teacher and the, and the buyer be a student. You want a teacher-student relationship. And, and you might say to yourself, well, I sell, um, I sell widgets. I sell commodities. There are still things that happen within your business and your industry that customers don't know. They don't understand how to use them properly. What are use cases? What are different use cases? Where does failure happen? You're really, really trying to teach a customer something new. And ultimately, <clears throat> that's where, where we're seeing a bit of an evolution is it's not even, it's not that the seller is carrying the deal forward and being part of customer success and implementation in every deal. That's not true. I mean, technology companies have account executives winning the deals, <clears throat> excuse me, passing those deals on to customer success and so forth. But where the, where the real value happens is that there's a service level agreement between the seller who closes the deal and potentially uh, walks the customer into implementation with customer success because ultimately the customer says to themselves, you've taught me what best practices are. You've taught me how to implement this. Be with me at the beginnings of the journey. Make sure that I'm, I'm being taken care of in the first stages of our implementation. And then, of course, there's other people that I can work with going forward. But um, no question that customers are buying into sellers that are there to really teach them things that they go, I, I didn't know that that's what was happening in the market. And this is becoming more and more difficult for sellers because ultimately so much information is online. You can learn from your peer to peers. So um, it's more increasingly difficult for the, uh, for the, for the seller to, to learn new insights to provide. Now, in addition to the exec's role in the buying phase, as we've focused mainly on so far today, they're also often involved in the planning and the review stages. Tell us about what that can look like. Buyers think in three logical stages. They think in the first stage, why? The second stage, how? And the third stage, who? And this is important for everybody to understand that what a buyer does is they bring in the resources necessary as they see it to execute on answering those three questions. So the first question that a buyer always asks themselves is why? Why should I change? What's wrong with the way I do it today? And in fact, this is where the research isn't necessarily being done. It's that the buyer is unaware that change is possible. Change is necessary. What typically happens are there are triggers whether there's compelling events of change, those could be internally driven triggers. Those could be externally uh, uh, driven. And of course, this is where sales can help along this journey. But ultimately, the buyer must overcome their own status quo to realize what has gone on in my business that requires change. And is change going to be uh, painful or is change palatable? 
ultimately what happens is, is their mind as a, as an idea starts to formulate, they then start asking themselves, why change and what is the opportunity cost of change? And this typically now within the why, this is where they begin research. And research typically happens in two forms. One, online-based research, and number two, peer-to-peer-based research. So as a buyer, I would first, if I have a question about something, I literally type that question into Google. And from peer-to-peer, I typically will reach out to fellow, fellow CEOs or sales leaders and ask them, what have you been doing in this particular circumstance? And this is important for sellers to realize that you can help facilitate this learning process because as CEB put in the challenger sale, you know, and whether you believe it's 57% of the buying journey is being done without us sales professionals, or it might be, you know, some companies like IDC, I think I've said that it's 75%, whatever that percentage is, learning is happening. Ultimately, what happens is there's a point in time where they recognize I do need to change because status quo isn't good enough. Then you start to move into gathering conceptual solutions, which is the how phase. And at the how phase, now all of a sudden, you're not only doing deeper online research, but you're starting to formulate uh, and starting to notice that there are people that are helping shape your opinions. So you start identifying the actual steps to implementation. What could go wrong? What could succeed? How much could this cost you? And is the cost justifiable? All these sort of things. Again, from a seller's perspective, this is where you need to get in early to start shaping the mindset that change is possible, that change is palatable, and can be done within you know a certain budget or framework. And then ultimately, finally, after I've armed myself with enough information to make informed decisions, I then move into the who. And the who is basically build, buy, or partner. So who's going to do this? Do I have internal resources to do this? Do I have to partner? Um, and can I find a vendor to do this? Can I buy, as in like literally buy the product and or buy the company that can help solve this particular problem? And if you just take your entire, from a, reverting this back to sellers, if you took what you would call your sales process and split it into three buckets, and that's really what a buyer's journey is. Why do I change? How do I change? Who do I change with? That's that's all that a customer is ever going to ask themselves. Jamie, we're coming towards the end of this particular interview already. I can't believe it. Um, before we wrap things up, any final thoughts for sales pros looking to build lasting relationships at the C-level? The most important thing that you can do is, and I, I've said this a couple of times around being the teacher-student relationship, a C-level executive got to becoming a C-level executive either because they decided to start a company or they've been so successful in other companies that they now lead a division. Your job is to learn because most C-level executives live in a vacuum or a bubble. They only can see kind of the, to the tip of their nose. Your responsibility is to bring all of the learnings that you've learned with existing customers and the market and bring them ideas that they have yet to ever have seen or heard or understand themselves. The first person that teaches them something new has a much greater probability of gaining access to the C-level executives and moving in a deal uh, moving forward. 
Okay, well, I'm afraid we can't move forward anymore with this interview because we've come towards uh, come to the end of it. So that just leaves me to say today, Jamie Shanks, CEO at Sales for Life. Thanks for being the guest on the February Sales Pro Chat podcast. Thank you. And listeners, please join us on February 22nd at 1ET for the associated Twitter chat. And until next time, I've been your host, Bill Bannum, and happy selling. Thank you for listening to Sales Pro Chat Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association.